Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This last week I had an opportunity to think a little bit, not just about uh, my children and their future. My kids were in second grade in St. John's years and years ago. And, and I think about them sometimes, but they're in their mid to late 20s and they are kind of got their lives together and have their lives kind of figured out. And, and, and that's kind of cool. It's fun to watch. And, and I'm telling you, if you're with the second grader today, the jump from, uh, how old are you guys? Seven, eight? Seven and eight, right on. So the, the jump from that to 25 goes like this. And I say that as a 54-year-old to 42-year-olds, and it, it, it just kind of wake up and your kids are in college doing their thing. But I was thinking how fast time goes and thinking about my children's children. What do grandkids and great-grandkids look like? And when they're taught history at St. John's School, what, what will they read? And who will have written and what will have been written about what's gone on in our generation? And I thought about that a little bit. And, and in my kind of philosophical understanding, I, I wondered what the titles would be, what the chapter would be, what the book would look like. And I thought about who would author and, and tell the story of the last 40 years to my children's children's children. And one of the titles that I came up with was Life During the Entertainment Era. Because the writer could write about how important it was to be entertained and how our generation went crazy for entertainment. It could highlight the, the work of the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Baseball, and National Hockey League, and all of those things. Billion-dollar organizations and billion-dollar franchises. They could go and talk about all the money that went into sports, all the things that went in and having this gear and that gear, all that went into all of the understanding that we had to have so that we could cheer for our teams and all of those things. It would be fascinating to read about that down, down the line. They could talk about Hollywood and all of those things, and the movies we saw, and the Marvel comics, and all of the stories that came, the stories that I used to read about and have comic books of, like Iron Man and Spider-Man and Superman and Batman and all of those things. And, and now it's out there in 4G TV, biggest life in your living room, drop down when you want to have it and when you got to do it. We could talk about recreation and boats and motorcycles and all of those things. And how maybe that was a little bit of an escape for us in an anxious time. That if somehow you withdrew just a little bit from the anxiety of the world, that there was a place of peace that you could find. I wonder how that will work out. I wonder what that will sound like. For me, a little bit that, that, that didn't go deep enough. There's, there's more to my life than being entertained. There's... There's more to my life than having to entertain my family. There's, there, there's something that entertainment doesn't bring by way of deep, rich meaning in my life. There's got to be something more than just what, what I want to do. But boy, the economy and the influence and the resources that go towards entertainment and entertaining, whether it's sports or travel or vacation or whatever, I wonder if that would be a chapter in the book of our generation. After the last couple weeks, maybe it would be that, that one of the chapters of the, of the era would be marked as a politically partisan era. 
in which people who had great wealth and great affluence were connected never before in the history of the world, argued about ideology with polarized political sides that sought not to win the battle of ideas, but sought in a two-party system to destroy one another. The difficult thing for that will be the terabytes of video that will be available. People will say, I never saw that, I never did that. I was in, and they'll go, here it is, big as life, here's what it was. They'll say, yeah, but. And people support devouring others in the name of power and politics. Someone could write about how the church kind of dug a hole and climbed in it, that the, the church had an opportunity to influence it. And instead of influence, we kind of sunk back some back into their political affiliation and say, well, I'm this color of a person first and then I'm a Christian. And if the church doesn't vote or move or side with what I think it should be, then forget it. I'll go someplace else and find some way to give expression to my spirituality. Wow. Some would say the church sold its soul and that selling its soul to certain aspects of political organizations that they drop the ball on their mission of helping people see Jesus. More than family and relationships and faith in Christ, people would say, I was alive through that polarizing political climate and it was really hard. Because 24-7, seven days a week, 365 days a year, we got talking head after talking head, commentary after commentary, and we kind of wondered what was going to happen in the world. So we get to Deborah, in Judges chapter 4. Deborah lived in an in-between time, in between Moses and David, in between a, a leader who when he came down from the mountain and people said, who's the leader? And they said, Moses, isn't they? They said, how do you know? And they said, oh, by the way, our leader just talked with God and he came down and his face was shining. Whoa. I guess he's the leader. You want to mess with Moses? Mess with Moses, because he's the man. You want to throw down your staff and see if you can turn it into a snake? Because Moses threw his staff down, turned it into a snake, and he ate Pharaoh's staff. And by the way, he moved a million people out of Egypt. And Egypt was never the same after Moses led the people out. In between Moses and David and the monarchy, your children know about David. David, a young man, a shepherd, hanging out, doing his thing, became a general and then a king. And, and yet in that in-between time, God raised up other leaders. But he raised them up, not, not as necessarily famous names that we all learned and know about, like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In that sandwich time, in that in-between moment, there were names like Ehud, Gideon, Abimelech, and Samson, and Deborah. A prophetess who came to leadership, who sat under the tree and arbitrated disputes among people and families. She, she tried to figure it out. Who the general came to her and he was such a wimp that he said, unless you're going to go with me against these 900 chariots, I ain't going. And Deborah had the courage and the forthrightness to say, I'm out of here. If you think I'm going to back off and not go out to fight, then you are a wimp. And she went out to get after it. And they won. They routed the army of Sisera. And they put down the apostasy of, 
of the Canaanites and the, and, and the weird religion that was going on. And in that victory was enormous for God's people because in the in-between time, they didn't quite have it all figured it out. And so in Judges chapter 4, at the very end, are these verses. So may all your enemies perish, O Lord, but may those who love you be like the sun when it rises in its strength. Then the land had peace for 40 years. Do you think we'll have peace for 40 years? Do you hope for that peace for 40 years? Because in 40 years, your children will be 47 and you'll be pushing 70. 40 years of peace would be something to hope for. 40 years of peace would be something that grandparents would wish for grandchildren and that parents would wish for their little children. And when you live in an in-between time like we're living right now, it's hard to kind of pin down where we're going and what we're doing. And there's so much polarity in our politics and so much polarity in our country that it's really hard to kind of sit and say, I know exactly what God is doing. But we know that God sends leaders and God sends people and God uses leaders and people in ways to achieve his purposes. And so we come to our, our theme for these next weeks, fearless faith and radical trust. Fearless faith during the in-between times. Fearless faith and radical trust. Fearless faith is faith in Jesus Christ that says in the in-between time, I'm going to hold on. That God prevails through every and any circumstances, whether it's the Canaanites at the north or the people turning away from God into different religions in the time of Deborah, or the, whether it's the Republicans or the Democrats fighting in 2018. Faith holds on to the reality that God prevails through each and every circumstance and God gets His will accomplished through each and every circumstance. And it's faith and a fearless faith that allows us in the in-between times to raise children with a powerful sense of confidence that God is doing what God will do. And sometimes that leads us to painful points of repentance. And sometimes that leads us to together put our arms in the air and say, yea, God, yea, people, yea, faith. It's faith that allows us to be anchored in the micro part of our lives. And we're good at that. How, how, many, people, how many people have their afternoons kind of figured out? We'll go to church, be done by, I don't know, 11, 11, 15, depending how long Klinkenberg goes, and we'll get a donut, we'll hang out, we'll watch the second football game. Or maybe you're looking and saying, we got a soccer game, we got to get out, we got to go, we got to get in. But my point is, you kind of have it planned out. You kind of got it figured out. The children know when they come to school in second grade that, that, that when they sit there, the first thing they do is Christian learning. And then from Christian learning, they go to the next lesson and then recess. And then do we eat lunch? Right? What day is pizza day? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> right? The micro we have figured out really well. Where I'm going and what I'm doing in my life. And that's a beautiful thing. And when it doesn't go according to our plan, sometimes we'll launch back and say, well, God has a plan. God has a plan. He's working His purpose in my life and the life of my family in a micro way, God has a plan. But what about the macro way? 
What about the great big plan that God was working out in Deborah's life, in the life of his people, working through his people to bring Jesus, the Messiah, to be born, raising up leaders and toppling other leaders through the ins and outs of the picture of, 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 of the big framework of, of the world. God works good for his creation. And we believe that to be true because God has always made it work. And a fearless faith says, God, I trust you in the little and God, I trust you in the macro. Even when times are nuts, Lord, I hold on to you in faith. And as surely as faith isn't politics, so also politics are not faith. Our faith is founded in our Lord Jesus. And that faith is fearless. And then there's that radical trust piece. Trust that Jesus will allow us a, a deep sense of peace. Trust that peace is where God is. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Radical trust drives radical peace. And it guards our hearts and our minds in the in-between time. And I don't know about you, but over the last month, I've really needed that. That peace that comes from trusting God. And so I wonder what will be in their children's history books. And I don't know person who tells the story gets to write it the way they want to. But I trust God and have faith in him that as he did in Deborah's time, so too he will do in ours. And you and me, we don't have a ton of control in that macro sphere. But in the micro sphere, the story of our lives, the story of God's people, the story of a little church in a little place called Orange, the story of a families of second graders who are hanging out today. I know what that story is going to play out. It's going to be about soccer games. It's going to be about baseball games. It's going to be about lacrosse, about singing in church. It's going to be about knowing Jesus. It's going to be about having a life that makes a difference for you and your family and finding a sense of peace in who you are and what you are all about. God writes the stories of our families and he writes it with the richness of the relationships and the lavishness of the love that he has for you and that you share one for another. And if the macro story is, I'm not real sure, perhaps the title of the micro story was already written today from the hearts and lives of our second graders with the opening hymn. I am Jesus, little lamb, ever glad at heart I am. Sometimes the voices of children lead us from the rancor of the adults in the in-between time into a fearless faith and a radical trust. Amen.